Hey friends, thank you for joining me today on Redrawing the Bath. This is the first episode for those of you who are finding me just now or have heard me talking about this podcast on my social media or have been referred to this by a friend. I just want to say welcome and I'm glad that you're listening and I I hope you gain something from both this and the podcast that's going to be releasing in the future. I'd like to kind of just start by sharing my story and where I come from and and why I'm doing this podcast. So like so many of us, I'm assuming who are going to be listening to this, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. Um, I had a very unstable home life in the sense that my parents had a very rocky marriage and, and I was a kid with a lot of anger issues and insecurities. And, and so I was getting in trouble in school and I was getting in trouble at home. And some of that was my fault and some of it was outside issues. Um, and I, I was raised in this context where I found myself at church all the time. I, I went to church where I went to school. I went to church where I went to Awana. I went to church where I went to VBS. I was I lived, breathed, ate, drank, slept that church. And so everybody knew me and and I loved everybody there. But my faith didn't become my own until I was about 15 years old. And regardless of of what was going on in my life. That was the one constant thing that I had. The the one constant that I had was Jesus and loving him and loving his, his kingdom and his gospel. And obviously that's evolved over time has gone on. So during high school, I was kind of the Bible kid. I, I, I knew a lot about the Bible. I was never very athletic outside of water polo or swimming. And so I, I read a lot and, and I prided myself in reading a lot. And so no matter who it was, whether it was Francis Chan or John Piper or John MacArthur or Matt Chandler or whoever, you name it, I've read it. And I prided myself in that. I prided myself in knowing a lot about theology, a, a lot about God, a lot about the church a lot about hermeneutics and and whatever you may say. And that only became more entrenched in me and more a part of my identity as I felt a call to go into ministry at the age of 16. And so from the age of 16 till now as a 23-year-old, I've been unprofessionally, not unprofessionally, uh, unscholastically and some scholastically training for ministry. But with everything going on in my home life and everything going on with my church, theologically, I became more and more reformed. And as I look back in retrospect, what made that so appealing was the fact that through a reformed or I would argue fundamentalist lens, I was able to know what I believed and I wasn't able to have doubts and I was able to push other people down with the knowledge that I had or at least thought I had. Um, after I graduated high school, I went to a gap year program where funny enough, when you, when you pride yourself as, as the Bible kid, and then you find yourself in a context where there are almost 50 other kids who are somebody else's Bible kid, you, you kind of lose that part of your identity and you either come out as a, a jerk or you come out as someone who is, willing to be a part of a community. And unfortunately, I have to admit, because of some of my personality and some of my theology, I really did come out as a jerk. And I I wish that I could have changed some of that, but obviously that's in the past. 
Uh, but over the course of this year, I started reading things that really challenged me. It was Richard Foster and C.S. Lewis and Donald Miller and Dallas Willard. And, and I was surrounded by people that came from a different theological journey than myself. And it, for the first time in my life in many ways, and even though I still held to a evangelical Calvinist viewpoint, my my bubble started expanding until eventually it burst. And I realized that, oh, these people love Jesus too. So fast forward, once this gap year program is done, I go home and I my my family's kind of in shambles. And so it's kind of just me, myself and I back with this church. So it was very easy for me to slip back into that kind of reformed theology. I know what I know. Um, I don't have any room for doubt. I don't have any room for questions, all, all that that entails. And I, I started going to Bible college where I met my wife and kept going into this reformed theology, this Calvinism, this very traditional hermeneutic. And I started going to Bible college and I, and I started taking Bible courses. And once again, my bubble started popping a little bit. And it, of all places in another Bible study methods class read, led by a professor named Doug Main, who is a very good friend of mine now. And hopefully I'll have him on the show sooner than later. But over the course of that year or that semester, I really watched as I realized once again, I really don't know as much as I thought I knew. And I needed to figure some of this out or I needed to be comfortable with the fact that I didn't. So over the course of this year, I'm dating the woman who's now my wife, Abby, and we really start connecting over what we wish the church could be in some ways because we've seen it. And in some ways we know that it can be this good. And me still being in a hyper reformed slightly fundamentalist church, I start really having problems with some of the ways that things are done to the point where we actually decided that we weren't going to be going to that church anymore towards the end of our time in Thousand Oaks, uh, which is where I'm from. And towards the end of our time there, towards the the beginning of the week of our wedding, we started noticing that that something was wrong. Um, obviously there, there were some crazy things that were going on before that. There was some, some very dark spiritual stuff that happened both for Abby and myself. And maybe at some point we'll go into that, but for now, for the sake of brevity, we won't. And during the week of our wedding, we kind of watched all of these people who we had begun to disconnect from theologically really turned their backs on us, which was hard because they were very deeply involved in our wedding. Um, we don't like to say that they ruined our wedding, but we would very truthfully and, and with all due respect say that they tried and in some ways they very much succeeded. Um, so the day after our wedding, we get in the car and we move from Thousand Oaks, California to Charleston, South Carolina, which is about if you've driven that, a, a four-day drive. And over the course of these four days, Abby and I are just in shock. We're exhausted. We're driving across the country. Our entire life has changed. 
everything that we had was kind of swept out from under us. We knew that we couldn't go back to California. We knew we couldn't go back to these relationships. We knew we couldn't go back, or at least that we didn't really have much to go back to. And so as we're driving to a place where Abby had lived for a short period of time and a place that I had never been, we really started recognizing that the only foundation that we had left was Jesus. So fast forward a few months and with no communication from these people, uh, other than a few phone calls that they tried to make to us over the course of our honeymoon slash road trip to Charleston, South Carolina, I reach out and I say, hey, let's talk. And so we sit down and I start really seeing the fruits of a reformed theology. I start seeing how the sovereignty of God is made to be an excuse for sinful behavior. I see how Calvinism is, is in the same way, the same thing. I see how the, the Bible is used to be twisted to, oh, you need to submit to your elders, but not when those elders are acting out of love, just in general, because they're your elders and that's what the Bible says. Um, I, I watched a complementarianism take its ugly head and, and go to the nth degree. And I watched as my wife was kind of silenced in a conversation about how she had been hurt on her wedding day. I watched how I was told to give a response for her on her behalf and not her herself. I watched how she was shut down in that. And there are so many other things that I could go into in regards to theologies that started rearing their ugly head during that conversation. But I really realized I cannot believe this anymore. If this is the way that Jesus would behave in this situation, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm, I'm done. And, and so after a couple of conversations with, with people like Doug Main, I realized, oh, maybe this isn't how Jesus would have acted in this situation, which is crazy. Having been apparently a disciple of Jesus for so long, being shocked at that idea because that was the culture that I was in. And I recognized the blood on my own hands in that as well. I watched the ways in my mind in the past where I had beat people down. I had bludgeoned people with my theology, where I had bludgeoned people with my interpretation of the scriptures, when I had bludgeoned people with my interpretations of Jesus. And if any of you who are listening, who know me, have seen that from me, have experienced that from me, I just want to take a moment to apologize publicly and, and recant and, and say that there is a much deeper well and there is a much bigger stream that we can all swim in and that we can all disagree on things. And, and that's beautiful. And I love it. But anyways, back to the story. So over the course of the next few weeks, I kind of lost it and, and I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't know where I was going to go. But what I did know was that like so many years before, I could not give up on Jesus. I was, I, I know Jesus I love Jesus. Jesus is not this way. Where do I go? And one night I came across an article from a, a, a notorious shock jock from the fundamentalist camp who was writing about the passing of, of a dear woman and, and, and pastor in many ways and, and spiritual leader, Rachel Held Evans. And in this article, this person decided to talk about how her death was the wrath of God and talk about how 
the the wedding was a picture of what hell's going to be like and and so many other things that aren't even worth mentioning i'm not even going to mention their name you can probably guess who it is but i realized in that moment this is the end of this theology i don't care what you dress it in i don't care what kind of worship music you've got i don't care what kind of bible commentary you've got this hatefulness is the end of this theology this exclusion this bigotry this xenophobia is the end of this theology and it is not of Jesus and I want nothing to do with it. And so I did what I was always told not to do. I Googled Rachel Held Evans podcasts and I started listening and I I found people like Rachel Held Evans and I found people like Brian Zond and I found people like Brad Jersack and Richard Rohr and all these different people that I was always told, oh, stay away from them. They're false prophets or, or whatever the, the terminology was. But in them, I found healing and I found restoration. And I will never forget the first time I heard Brian Zahn say, God looks like Jesus. And after that, the whole trajectory of my hermeneutic changed. The whole trajectory of my theology changed. The whole trajectory of my hopes and ministry in life changed. And it, it made me fall in love with Jesus again. And I don't put that lightly and I don't say that in a, a, a recommitment of faith way, but I really feel like I met Jesus in the garden. I really felt like I resonated with Mary Magdalene in that moment when she's sitting in the garden and she thinks Jesus is the gardener and they say they've taken him from me. I felt that in that moment. I felt like Jesus was was gone. I felt like I didn't know. I, and I was looking for him and I couldn't find him. But then I heard those sweet words that I still believe to this day that God looks like Jesus. And as, as he says in fullness, he says, God looks like Jesus. God has always looked like Jesus. God always will look like Jesus. We didn't know that. Now we do. And like I said, so many things changed for me. And and. And my, like I said, my hermeneutic changed. I changed from a from a view of inerrancy to a to a view of inspiration. I, 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 I changed from complementarianism to egalitarianism. I, I changed from Calvinism to to more of an open theism view of of how the world works. And so many things that I was always so afraid of, I finally found the strength and power to not be afraid. And so time goes on and, and we're attending this church and, and it's an interesting thing because I was, I was not a very good husband in that time. And I wish I had been, but I was not there for my wife emotionally. I was not there for my wife spiritually. And I really wish I had been, but I wasn't. And I'd be lying to you if I said I was. But over the course of this time, I'm going through this deconstruction and I start trying to, to give my wife these podcasts and these books and, and all these things. And, and it, it doesn't really seem like there's much interest. And, and looking back now, I think that if I had been more engaged, there would have been more. But I took it as, oh, she's done. And I panicked. And so I started writing for myself again. I used to write a lot, but I, I stopped for a while and I started writing again. And I started writing on how I felt about issues like atonement and Calvinism and inerrancy and whatever it was, you name it. I started just kind of etching out my own thoughts and, and my own opinions and, and my own studies. And I started really digging as far as I could without any fear 
of being deemed a heretic, but also with the discernment to recognize what was and what was not heresy. And so I started sharing these with my wife and she started reading these. And and over the course of time, I started writing, compiling a book called Redrawing the Bath, which is an exploration of the spiritual disciplines for people who are spiritually disenfranchised and hurt and displaced and frustrated. And I got to a specific chapter and I was like, there's so much more I need to learn. There's so much more I need to uncover. There's so much more I need to understand. And so from the encouragement of of friends like Nora Speakman and Seth Price and Jason Elam and Derek Myers, I decided, you know what, I'm going to start interviewing people and I'm going to compile it as a podcast and present it to people. And then when the time comes, I'll have the book ready. And so that is kind of my journey. That is kind of my hope. And, and I'm leaving details out for the sake of brevity. And I'm leaving details out for the sake of this journey that we're about to go on, where you'll get to know me. And hopefully, as, as some of you respond to what I'm saying, I'll get to know you. I hope I will. And we'll go through this together. So there's not going to be very many bells and whistles. I, I, I wish I was good at editing. I'm not. I wish I had a, a theme song ready. I don't. I wish I had all these things set up, but I really don't. And I think in in the least fake way I can say that, I think that's so beautiful as as we go on this journey together of, of unmasking our fake selves and coming to the realities of our true selves by exploring disciplines that we know and by discovering disciplines that we don't. And also reclaiming some disciplines that we felt or we have felt like we've been unable to practice because of the cultural baggage that comes with them. And so with all this being said, this is where we are. This is who I am. This is who you are. This is what we do. And I hope that this is something for people who are spiritually searching. I hope this is for something for people who have left the faith, but still find hope in Christian practices. I hope this is something for Christians who are hurting. And I hope this is something for Christians who don't agree with me. I, I hope this is something for my Reformed brothers and sisters that this tradition that I've walked away from, but still deeply love and respect and admire because of the the beautiful things that it's given me in my life. I hope that that you engage and I hope that you listen and I hope that you push back where you think pushback is necessary. I want to challenge you. I want, First, I want to challenge the hurting Christian. God is like Jesus. And I, I want to say that again until it really sets in. God is like Jesus. Jesus. He is the very radiance. He is the very picture. If you have seen him, you have seen the Father. And I I it, that goes for the Old Testament, that goes all the way into Revelation that God is like Jesus. And that affects the way that we read these passages that have been used to bludgeon us over the head. So before you throw the baby out with the bathwater, I hope you allow me to redraw the bath for you. And for the Christians that probably disagree with me, and there, there probably will be, and and I'm okay with that. And and I'm, I'm, but I'm also nervous about it because I love so many of you, and I also know what happens to people who challenge the status quo because I've been on the other side of the status quo. So I know, and I understand where you're coming from, and I understand what you might say. But I really want to encourage you before you drop the H bomb on me to listen, to engage, to converse. For those of you who know me, you have my phone number. For those of you who are friends with me on Facebook, you have my Facebook. And if you want to reach out to me through email, my email is redrawingthebath at gmail.com. 
And so, like I've said before, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. This is a journey. I'm still learning. We're all still learning. So the sooner we can admit that and confess that and sit at each other's feet as people who all have the Holy Spirit, the better off we'll be. And so I just really want to leave you with that. That This has been really short, but it's been really sweet. And it's been really good for me as, as someone who hopes to equip you guys to be the church, to, to be healed, to be challenged, to be understood, to be heard, to be sympathized with. I, I really want, there's so many good resources that talk about theology and it's great. It's like, okay, cool. I don't hold to this viewpoint or I hold to this viewpoint, but how do I pray? How do I fast? How do I meditate? How do I understand this? How do I how do I live a Christian life in practicality in light of the theology that's changing and evolving in my life? And that is the hope that I have because I feel like for so many of us, including myself, our theologies have changed and our theologies have evolved. But in some ways, we can become spiritually complacent. And I don't say that to set up some moral code or guideline, but because I genuinely believe that there is a way through this that ends up with us knowing Jesus in a deeper way than just kind of being cynical about everything, just kind of being nihilistic about everything, just kind of thinking this doesn't really matter anymore. And I, I believe that. And so if you would be so kind as to join me in this, it would be amazing. And I would feel so blessed to have you along on this journey. And so with all that said, next week I will be releasing my first interview with my friend Carl Forehand, who has written the book Apparent Faith. And we'll be talking about meditation. We'll be talking about veganism. We'll be talking about yoga and, and some of the ways that for him as a former pastor and, and now as an author and, and coach, these things have helped him maintain a, a Christian life or, or a life in Christ, I think would be a better way, more appropriate way of putting it. So thank you and God bless.